Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Swagzilla Zero G is back with me and I had to give him that, uh, the, the, the all-time, uh, the, the old intro to you, Superflex. Sometimes you don't That's realize something's gone until it's back. <laughs> yeah. And, and man, I miss that. That's the non-point scoring season version of the <laughs> Hell intro. Hell yes. Right <laughs> it all like, starts now. It, and honestly, dude, it just reflects the difference in, in my own personal energy. Like, I, I I love doing the the standard operating procedures in season with you. Like it's cool to have just kind of a standing appointment for you and I to mm-hmm. to jump on here and talk fantasy football. We got a lot of great feedback, uh, had a lot of fun, and helped a lot of people. But I got to be honest, man, my energy level once we get to the end of the season and get into the off season and we get back to dynasty fully focused on dynasty like it just shoots through the roof i i couldn't agree with you more man like there's this like sadness every time of year around christmas time where like you're in the finals it's all ending you're like wow that went by really fast like how are we already here but then you're like (laughs) man but this is the this is where i shine this is what i enjoy a little bit more and and it gets me pepped up dude i'm 100 percent with you yeah it, there's just like so much more strategy to it. Mm-hmm. We're both kind of strategists. Um, I think that you're you're a lot more into, um, you know, like kind of like individual player analysis than I am. Um, you're certainly better at it. But like, yeah, and I don't know. I, I I think like for me, like I like the mental approach of it and like trying to like have a psychological approach and figure out what people are thinking now and and go a curve that way. And then a lot of my players that I end up liking are, I just, I think differently sometimes about the players that people don't like. I think my, I think my, like (laughs) my, my secret weapon is just not caring what people think and if i think differently than them i think that's my secret weapon man because sometimes it's really hard to fight through that and i mean like no disrespect to anybody it's sometimes it's really hard to fight through that and how many times do you stop and think like man like maybe he's got a point like that and so many people are saying this and you hear it so many times and like i fight through that really hard I think that's I think that's my mojo, man. Like as weird as that sounds, it's it's a superpower if you can do it. It's it's tough, and it's something that I strive for. But it, it man, it gets so it's so easy to get caught in the in the echo chamber a little yeah. bit. But 
it's and just it's so, so easy important. to not want to get tore down when you think differently <laughs> that too i i mean kind of the the easy way to do it is to say it on a podcast but don't tweet it <laughs> because yeah on a podcast they, they like nobody i mean you know they can they can get on twitter and tell you oh hey i listened to your podcast and I think you're full of shit on this. And it's just like, well, hey, thanks for listening, man. At least you listened. But, yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're getting to know me. And and that's another thing, too. Like, I'm much more willing to own my misses here on a podcast when you and I are talking, give each other some crap about them. Yeah. That I don't feel like I owe anybody on Twitter my misses. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair too i'll eat crow right here you know we'll (laughs) we'll make each other at some point you know yeah and that's the thing so we're we're certainly gonna hold each other accountable but this is just more than anything you know this is gonna kind of give us an opportunity to start talking about names talk about dynasty strategy um while keeping kind of the the standard operating procedures going a little bit so that's gonna be the plan i'm gonna i'm gonna have swags back not every single week, um, but, you know, we're going to catch up as often as we can and do some standard operating procedures. Uh, Just they're gonna be... And then you're going to be like, I thought you said it's not going to be every week, John. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. There are going to be times where it's going to it's going to feel like, all right, we need to redo this. Like yeah. just a, in, you know, one week later, free agency is a is a big one. Mm-hmm. And uh, pre and post rookie draft, like those are, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna be pretty familiar, right around yeah. those those mile markers. I, I hear but, you, man. Well, I'm always excited to be here, and and I don't even know if you've quite told them what we're doing today, but I get to, I yeah. get to, you get to grade my work, be agreeable and disagreeable with John's DLF rankings. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So this is how we're going to kick off not only the non-point scoring season, not only the year 2023, but, you know, kind of the the new format to the Superflex Super Show. Like I said, it, so this isn't going to be structured the same as the in-season stuff, but we do want to keep up with these standard operating procedures throughout the offseason. We want to be able to, you know, to catch up and say, all right, so now, you know, here's here's some moves to be making. We're really going to kind of start here with just some some rankings, some basic rankings. I did a rankings update. They're available at, uh, at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I've got both uh, Dynasty Superflex, uh, the top 250 players in Superflex right at the moment. And then I also have Cornerstone Rankings, which is – um, also super flex, but it's the top uh, 50 players from last year's rookie class, this year's rookie class, and next year's rookie class. So as of now, we've got classes 2021, 2022, and 2023. So we get to talk about some incoming rookies a little bit here too. But I did rankings updates on both of those, and uh, swags can kind of uh, – you know, we're going to you're you're going to be able to kind of pick out some players because we can see um, the at DLF. The rankers have this tool uh, that we can use uh, basically checking our rankings versus the rest of the rankers at DLF, quote unquote, consensus. And 
it shows you if you're higher or lower on players. And I've got a few of them that I'm much higher than most people, uh, a few of them that I'm much lower, and then just about everybody, I'm either higher or lower. So <laughs> you can kind of, you know, you're going to be able to just pick some player swags and we can kind of talk through it. He might end up changing my mind on some. I might end up changing your mind on some. And then there, honestly, there are going to be some that we just straight up agree on. Yeah. And and I want to talk about some of that right away, too, if you don't mind. Like, Sure. Are we starting so, with uh, Superflex or Cornerstone? Let, let's start with this Superflex. Okay. So, first of all, I know you sometimes get a little bit of pushback for your rankings over at DLF. <laughs> and... I've known you a while and how you rank. And I think some of the way you went into some of this is a little bit similar to how I would rank in Superflex. Yeah. Um, and even like we said before we got into the actual segment of the show, like of just kind of trying to like push through what a lot of people think you can see on this. And like John is like showing his values and he's creating value. He's not letting the value create his rankings and i love that and and i think that 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 in itself i think is very important and super flex but i think one thing i feel like you do and did just from looking at your rankings here i think a lot of the guys that like you are higher on mm-hmm. they look like quarterbacks Lower end yeah. quarterbacks, you know, Jared Goff, Gardner Minshew, Geno Smith, and then some of the guys you're lower on are wide receivers. And and I think so you probably got a little bit caught in that. It looks like in some of the areas you use like that twenty to thirty rule where you automatically banked in like Kirk Cousins is going to net you probably two rounds earlier in a super flex trade than he did in your super flex draft. I don't know if I'm yeah. right or wrong about that, but I love that. If so, you're kind of baking that in. Cause even with cousins, like you have a, a, well, it's 38 difference from the rest of the rankers. You have him at 34 overall versus 72. Yeah. And my, my rankings are you like, you could almost call them replaceability rankings. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, who's the hardest, who are the hardest players to replace? And then, you know, it kind of gets easier and easier from there. So, like, another thing that you'll notice is that I'm I'm lower on both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase than yes. most people. So, yeah, and that's um, probably because you're lower on wide receivers, not necessarily right. those wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's It's really just kind of... It's it, like those those players are great. They're an advantage to have at the wide receiver position. But like, is it easier to to find a replacement for Justin Jefferson in your lineup, or is it easier to find a replacement for Pat Mahomes? You know, for Josh Allen. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, it, it really just kind of start, or or you know, Jonathan Taylor for that matter. Yeah. Like, how are you going to replace Jonathan Taylor? I can give you about 50 different ways to replace Justin Jefferson. Right. No, I'm with you. Even if you start playing some of those wide receiver matchups. Right. Yeah. So Trevor Lawrence, you have him at overall number five. Who are the quarterbacks you have in front of him? I've got um, 
so actually we should we I'll, I'll just give you my I'm going to give you my top three tiers because they're all quarterbacks. It goes in this order. Tier one is Pat Mahomes, QB one. Um, and I did move Josh Allen up into that tier with Pat Mahomes, but I'm not pushing him ahead of Pat Mahomes until I see some type of negative regression from Pat Mahomes. It it, it kind of doesn't matter what Josh Allen does. It's like as long as Pat Mahomes is staying, um, you know, if, if as long as he's able to play at the level he's at, he belongs at number one. So, uh, but Josh Allen, number two, and in that top tier with him. Tier two, I've got Justin Herbert, uh, quarterback three, and then Joe Burrow, quarterback four. And then uh, Lawrence. Yeah, tier three starts with quarterback five, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback six, Dak Prescott, quarterback seven, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that's tough to argue. I, I, I agree with that. Fullheartedly. I wonder if I was in a draft, if there are any running backs I'd push up. But I think at this point and how the quarterback landscape is, even on our dynasty teams today, like getting Trevor Lawrence on your dynasty squad is pretty nice. So, yeah, you almost have to quarterback is just such a it's it's so top heavy right at the moment to a point where, like, we're not even talking about, you know, how good is this player versus this player? It's more about, you know, which players are going to be starters next year. And we just kind of like now all of a sudden we got to worry about Tua. I knocked him way down in my rankings because now we have to, we have to worry about him. You know, we can, the concussions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's buzz about maybe he retires there's, I mean, we know that Miami has tried multiple times to replace him. <laughs> they got a tampering uh, slap on the wrist for uh, more than a slap on the wrist, but they got the tampering thing for going after Brady. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't think Tua retires, though. I kind of don't either. But, I, like, I, I wouldn't say that it's out of the realm of possibility that Miami, you know, replaces him somehow. Yeah. Or even, um, or even start to like check his health a little bit and the and the head concerns and yeah, but so I've got man, you have him at thirty one overall, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of to me that's that's still a pretty optimistic uh, ranking as quarterback thirteen. Yeah, to put that into perspective, he has Jared Goff 29 overall. Yeah. So one spot in front of Tua. Yeah. You could make that trade all day. You could go get um, Jared Goff. Oh, I actually actually moved that around last second on you. So that's not on your sheet. But so now I've got Aaron Rodgers at 30, quarterback 12. Okay. Um, Tua's quarterback 13 at 31, and then at uh 34 overall is Kirk Cousins, quarterback 14, and quarterback 15, 35 overall is Jared Goff. So, so I did tweak that just a little okay. bit, but man, like they're still really close. And yeah, and I think Jared Goff is safe, yeah, I do. T- yeah, at this point, he's he's pretty safe, but I, I think I'm also high on him <laughs> for compared to consensus 
to have him in the you know in one of the I mean I think years. he's QB seven right now right something like that yeah I mean he's having a great season and even more than that like they built that offense around him and he has basically mastered it at this point he's got him on the verge of the playoffs and not only that you know as a result he's really kind of played them out of uh you know, out of reach of those top quarterbacks. I mean, they could still use the Rams pick. I John, suppose, did on. you hear the rumor that your Denver Broncos want my Dan Campbell? No, I, yeah. I'm not, not terribly surprised, but I don't, I mean, if Hands we're being off. honest, <laughs> which of the two is a more attractive job at the moment? Probably the lions and what I think Campbell's so built, right? Yep. I think so too. I also think it takes a very specific type of head coach to take over the Broncos and because you're stuck with Russell Wilson, like mm-hmm. the, his, his, that massive contract that they just gave him that doesn't even kick in until next year. So where like, do you have Russell Wilson ranked? Uh, he's pretty low. Um, I mean, I like, and wherever I do have him, it's because he's fairly safe because he's got a job. Yeah. But, uh, man, I punished him. Uh, yeah, where did he go? <laughs> <laughs> I'll find him. Below Taysom Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Probably should. Man, I might. I'm I'm scrolling forever and not finding him here. Forgot all about the guy. The yeah. Denver Broncos <laughs> starting quarterback. Jen's got Brett Rippin higher. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I just took Wilson completely out of my rankings. I was like, he's not even top 250. Yeah. John, this I'm is curious. Weird. Do you feel completely safe Aaron Rodgers for at least one more year in the NFL? Yeah. Went, same. I'm with you. Like, I, I felt great the minute. Jordan Love said he wanted to be traded. I was like, oh, Aaron, he knows Aaron Rodgers is staying at least one more year. He's sick of this crap. <laughs> like, he's like, man, one more year of this? Like, I want out. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Aaron Rodgers stays at least one more year. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, all right. Russell Wilson, 67 overall, quarterback 20. So, for reference, some of the guys ahead of him right at the moment, it's Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett are the next two quarterbacks ahead of him man mac jones is is interesting man i know and and honestly so he he could be higher if we knew for a fact that he's gonna keep that starting job for them but i'm kind of not convinced and i we've talked about this in the in season but uh, i've said this basically every week for the last month to me bailey zappy is a better player so i'm you know yeah. like but they're gonna there are a few of these situations i did the same thing to trey lance he's quarterback 17 um and you know there's definitely room for him to move up but like if if they have the guts to do it i think brock purdy is the better option for them I just I don't know that they're going to do it. But, you know, you you almost have to value them 
understanding that there's a non-zero chance here that they lose their job. And then you have to have those backup guys fairly close. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're not super close. Brock Purdy's at quarterback 31, 147 overall, um, ahead of Baker Mayfield and Bailey Zappi, but like ahead of Kyle Trask and Jordan Love, too, because, you know, it seems like he's a little bit more likely to start and you want him somewhere within reach if that happens. So that it's not just this out of nowhere move into the top, you know, 50. John, I want to try to change your ranking on Cooper Cup. I'm guessing he's your wide receiver three or four. Uh, Three. Yeah. 15 overall, man. So Cooper Cup, man. So, okay, let's say in a hypothetical world, Matthew Stafford retires tomorrow. Do your rankings change? For Cooper um, Cup, I think he probably drops a little, but they seem okay with Baker Mayfield. And yeah, I think Cooper Cup is completely safe as far as an NFL wide receiver and a very viable wide receiver for your fantasy team. But yeah, I don't know if his weekly upside is what Matthew Stafford brought to the table. I think it's closer to like in between, like. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff like because I think Cooper Cup is a better route runner today than he was when he had Jared Goff but I don't think that upside is quite there without Stafford yeah no that's probably fair and I think I mean I like I said I think that he would drop um I mean I don't know how far below how far I would want to drop him maybe below mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb wide receiver nine so Wide receiver ten is is about the farthest I could imagine. Yeah, dropping. And, and see, in. I think I'm just a little but, bit more comfortable with that, and really, that's where I feel kind of good. And I learned this because of a team where I was out of contention, and a contending team really wanted to move Cooper Cup for current market value, which I totally understand. And I wanted in, but I I, I learned that I couldn't do it because of my concern so that's why when i saw cooper cup on here it recent trade conversations this pops out to me and my concerns that i had that wouldn't let me do that trade is just kind of thinking if stafford was gone not the right yeah and yeah. then i'm just getting a wide receiver just a wide receiver who's <laughs> awesome don't get yeah. me wrong but then you're getting the roller coaster wide receiver that just I can replace kind of like you said with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Right. Yeah. And that's always kind of the the tough part is trying to figure out like what do we do with the speculation? You mm-hmm. know? Um the speculation on Stafford uh you know for for this conversation but you know the like the information that we have now is that Matthew Stafford is not healthy for 2022, but you know, that as far as we know, he will be for 2023. And the problem is, cause I'm, I'm kind of with you that you, you know, it seems like maybe you want to hedge a little bit, but like if he, if we know that he's healthy and he's going to play and he's going to start and you've got him down at wide receiver 10, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Like that's kind of not helping people because you know that he's going to be significantly better than that with Stafford. 
So it's, yeah, that it, like, that's one that I've always kind of wrestled with. It's like, what's, what's more useful to, to you, my super friends, you know, is it, is it more useful for, if I was to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm ranking him based on, you know, the, the speculation that Stafford is going to play or that he's not going to play. Yeah. And I mean, part of my ageist side comes out as well. Cause he's a, he's a yeah. young 29. I know he hasn't played in the NFL as long as some of the elder wide receivers, but he's a 29 year old wide receiver. I just, and, and to me, it's kind of one of those things where it's not always about hitting on the next guy, but getting rid of him before everybody else wants to. Yep. So, and for me, like, it was one of those conversations where it, within that trade talk, I knew that like Cooper cup wasn't a good fit my, for my team and that I couldn't make any offers because of how I valued the risk. And I, I just didn't want to take it down for a team that was already out of contention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. That's it. all of that stuff that has to get factored into rankings. It makes it so tough. So, yeah, I mean, so I could you see, have him I, one spot below Travis Kelsey, and I'm guessing this is tight end premium. It's not tight end premium, so that's that's okay. part of it. Um, I just want to hate wide receivers with you, John, and this threw me off. <laughs> 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 but this I get is, it. I do. Cooper Cup has been a freaking stud the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of me acknowledging that, like, is as much as wide receivers aren't really a diff, don't make a, as much of a difference as these other positions. If, if you know, if we're gonna say that Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are that type of difference maker, where you're taking them in the first round, you know, which is essentially how I have this ranked. I mean, they're they're ten and eleven overall. If it, it, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna say that, then we also have to say, all right, well, Cooper Cup is just as good of a player. Or, oh, absolutely, at least very, very close. So it's like, yeah, if, I mean, if you're gonna prioritize wide receiver, prioritize Cooper Cup because he's he's one of the the top three in the league. But yeah, and it's not like you have him in the first round. To be fair, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, I would keep him close to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, basically. Like, if I was to move them down, then I would, I, or if I moved him down, I feel like I would have to move them down too, you know? Let's hear your case for Ramondre Stevenson, 19 overall over Nick Chubb, 22 overall. Yeah, um, running back five for Ramondre Stevenson uh, and he's been a, a top five back this season. Uh, Damian Harris is the free agent. Uh, you know, it's always been a tough offense to trust for the new England Patriots, but uh, you know, particularly for running backs, but man, like he's been, he's been their bell cow with Harris out. Um, and you know, you take Harris completely out of the equation by putting him on a different team. This is, uh, you know, this is this is what we look for. This is what we want. Like, this is the short yardage guy. This is a goal line guy, the early downs guy. 
He's also the pass catcher. So, you know, it's, and it's just so hard to find that right at the moment. And especially not even necessarily the age, but you know, he's second year player and, you know, compared to Nick Chubb, what, five years in the league now? Yeah. Like there's, it's just the, it's the usage difference. And, and I feel like we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about this a lot at running back this off season is the fact that most of the running backs that you intuitively gravitate towards are old AF <laughs> and, and like, and what do you do there? You know, yeah. what do you, what do you do with the, with Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry, you know, the, the already mentioned Chubb. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick, Nick Chubb, I mean, to me, like he still deserves to be in that conversation. He's in the same tier with Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Ramondre Stevenson. He's just below those guys. Um, and ahead of DeAndre Swift, which was hard for me, but, uh, you know, so he's still in that conversation, um, you know, top six, obviously, but like he's to me, he, him and Saquon Barkley are kind of on the, uh, kind of on the fringe, you know, they're kind of in between, um, the young guys that you can trust long-term and the old guys that we have to start saying, all right, this, like, this is a ticking time bomb. So like, I think that Nick Chubb is safe for you for another year or two most likely, but it, I mean, I still think that I would rather, you know, go with the guys with a little bit more of a future, but that's, that's my opinion. But like, does that change your view on it or do you still prefer Chubb? I still prefer Chubb, man. And Stevenson has done so good. So I feel like I'm, I'm being take lucky. I think I'm getting that Patriots running back, in my head a little bit too much. And then on top of that, I think I'm waiting in differently. The fact that Harris has been out most of the season and he'll be gone and I'm sure they'll find somebody else. And that so cliche. It, so it's kind of wrong of me to even be thinking it's... that way, but I, I have, I think that there's better days ahead for Cleveland. I mean, for example, I noticed how high you have, Deshaun Watson, I think that there's better days ahead for him, and I think that those better days will also come for Chubb and minus Kareem Hunt. But but I get it with Stevenson. I do. It's tough to argue. I was just kind of curious. I know I I would make that trade if you sent it to me. I would take the Chubb side. Yeah. And um maybe be a little maybe it's a little take lock though. There, there, there are kind of some strategy like talking points that I've been thinking about that I, I like, I kind of want to, you know, hit pause for a second and, and, um, put these out to you and see what you think. Like, this is, this is kind of me getting away from my own take lock a little bit. Um, I'm not totally sold on these concepts, but, uh, I'm, it, it's making me wonder. And the first one being, you know, we've been talking uh, for years about running back is kind of a a year-to-year type of proposition. Well, I mean, first of all, that position is just a wasteland at the moment. Like, the it's – I've got Jonathan Taylor as running back one, but, man, that's hard to 
to like that was a that was a hard one to land on after the season he just had but you know you look around the league and you're like who are the young running backs who you might be able to trust for more than one year when the past it's always been uh, you got to plan on one year you know Mm -hmm. it's a one-year proposition but we've been saying that about derrick henry for like four years now you yeah. know the, he's like he's he's at the usage cliff he's at the the age cliff whatever cliff you want to use for running backs he's he's been there for four years and he still continues to be one of the top running backs in fantasy football yeah you know now we're seeing austin eckler's gonna finish running back one here I was saying, you know, you need, you want those younger guys. Like those mm-hmm. are the guys who typically have that type of season. Like Taylor did last year is a second year running back. He has the RB one overall season. Now it's, it's going to be Austin Eckler, you know? So yeah. like, like at, at what point do these guys, I mean, Christian McCaffrey looks like he's going to finish top five. Like, do we do we necessarily have to say that guys in you know year four are year to year propositions? Like I'm starting to wonder if maybe there's they have a little bit more shelf life, yeah, uh, than than what we kind of thought. And if maybe you can kind of plan for these guys, you know, a little bit more long term than what we always thought. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, one I- of them. Yeah, I I don't hate that at all. And I've been thinking about the same thing with Derrick Henry and how, man, I mean, I traded Javante Williams away to get Derrick Henry last week on a contending team. And then I lost Derrick Henry this (sighs) week right after the trade. Um, I did, I did advance, but I I did lose Derrick Henry, obviously. And I'm kind of still like, "Eh, I don't care. (laughs) At least I have Derrick Henry week one. I don't know if I would have had Javante Williams week one. (laughs) So I'm kind of good with it. And I bet if you're not a strong contender next year, but Derrick Henry is still performing well, which I mean, at this point, that like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing. We almost have to plan on him being okay. Him being great. In fact, when he's healthy, and overall, you know, very startable for fantasy and very predictable. That's the big yeah. thing. Like, can I predict when this player is going to perform well? Ezekiel Elliott proves our point. Like, he he kind of proves the rule a little bit because you cannot trust him healthy or not. But Derrick Henry, like, you know when you can start him. Is he is yeah. he healthy and playing? Then you start him. And he, and he gives you, you know... He might running give back you one three week. Javante Williams weeks. Yeah. So if he and if he's doing that again next year, I bet you can reverse engineer that trade when the time comes. Yeah. If you wanted, you'll still get Javante straight up. Yeah. Potentially. So and which brings me to somebody you're lower on. Oh, man, sometimes I I hate being agreeable. I don't know if I completely <laughs> agree with your your number here, but let's talk about Brees Hall. And um, are you just baking in that injury and him coming back slow and and just kind of getting ahead of that rather than sitting on it like we did Dobbins and Akers and now people are going to do with Javante. People did it with Barkley before Swarkley was born. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, is that what that is that what's going on with Brees Hall here? 
Yep, that's exactly it. And it's so strange to me, man. Like people will like they'll they'll still draft him in the first round or you know, early second round. I've got him a running back 12, 37 overall. So, you know, what fourth round? <laughs> early fourth round. So, you know, we're but people will draft him in the second round and totally ignore that ACL injury. Like this is this is basically the the this is the uh the definition of arbitrage. Is people are going to draft him in the 4th round and then when they're not getting anything from him, they're going to totally forget about everything that we've seen from those other running backs that you mentioned, you know, Barkley yeah. being the the biggest most recent example. They're going to totally forget about the fact that he tore the ACL one year. The very next year, he had a, a down year in and out of the lineup, dealt with injuries, and just honestly just didn't look like himself. And yeah. then the following year, here he is, you know, top three. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they're going to totally forget about that and just see that Brees Hall is doing nothing and trade him away for peanuts. Yeah. And then that, miss that's... out on what could be the running back one overall in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. But so now is the time to kind of want to get out of Brees Hall if you want to, and then to try to get him back, even like you said, you know what I mean? Like now's kind of the time. Yeah. Before he, ha before people are like, oh yeah, so he's not, he's not playing week one. Like, yeah. No, he's like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not playing week and, one. And sorry. honestly, that's for the best. <laughs> because exactly. If he, yes. If he played in week one, you would put him in your lineup. You would get an absolute dud from him and you would hate him even more. Yeah. And that's so we were talking about this on Rookie Fever, Fenero and I, and I put Kenneth Walker above Brees Hall. And that's kind of what I explained. I go, man, I go, I kind of like view Brees Hall as a 2024 first that I can rent a little bit in 2023 and get a little spin on it. But it's really not going to get good till 2024. And yeah. so it's kind of like. I don't know. It's, he's an interesting case, but I think right now for where his value is, I, I would be comfortable. Like if I could move Brees Hall for Kenneth Walker and a little bit on top, I'm doing that all day. I'll do it straight up. But I mean, if I can get something on top of Brees Hall and I'll do that all day. Yeah. Just based on, you know, what, what their value is likely to do, you know, just the, 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 the way, you know, Walker's is going to be on a steady upwards trajectory, uh, at least in until he gets injured, if that happens, um, which we don't predict that. So, and Walker's is going to, it's just going to fluctuate for the next 12 months. I, I, more like the next what, 18 months. Yeah. It's going to be all over the place. So, you know, just like you're going to end up, it's it's just going to be such a massive difference in value um, between you know Walker at his apex and Brees at rock bottom, and that moment is coming within the next eighteen months, <laughs> essentially. I'm uh, I'm cherry picking here, John, but I do not see Greg Dulcich on your too high or your too low. Yeah, I'm I might be kind of okay on him, but I can 
I'll look for him real quick. Um, How do you feel about Dulcich at this point? Because, I mean, you are one person that you're not just going to love Russell Wilson because he's a Denver Bronco. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a realist. So, yeah. I'm I know a you've bit liked him in the past. And have you ever watched yeah. Starsky and Hutch? Uh uh-uh. uh. You haven't watched that movie with Ben Stiller? No. <laughs> Dude, you have to watch it now just so you can see Dance and Rick because that's, that is my Greg Dulcich is Dance and Rick. Nice. <laughs> Man, anybody out that there that's for... listening to this, and you have to hit John up until he watches Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, now I need that frame of reference. Oh, so. that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So it looks like, so I've got Dulcich at 135 overall. Um, consensus has him at about 140 overall. So I'm super close. But the thing I did is tier 13 in my rankings. I called it the slightly better than streaming tight end, maybe tier. And it starts with TJ Hawkinson, Pat Fryermuth, um, Cole Komet, David Njoku, and then you got Dulcich. But other guys in that in that same range, it's Ertz and Juwan Johnson and Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox, Darren Waller. Like just this huge tier especially if you don't have a tight end premium to me, any yeah. one of these guys, like he, he is just good enough to keep you from streaming. You can kind of set it and forget it. Evan Ingram needs to come up a little bit, but uh, he, I've got him at tight end 19. Dulcich is tight end 10. So Ingram okay. needs to go ahead of Dulcich probably a little bit, but uh, although I think he's a, is he a free agent again? Is he back with Jacksonville? I feel like you might be right. That might have been a one-year deal. Yeah. But I think they'll try to bring him back. Yeah. Tight ends are interesting, man. It's kind of similar to, like, you explained with those injuries of the running backs, only you want to wait, push it out a little bit longer. Like, while everybody's, like, chasing all those, like, 22 to 24-year-old tight ends and trying to find the next tight end that's just going to be a tight end 5 to tight end 12 anyway, like – go get those guys that are turning like 27 to 30 because that's like when tight ends actually start to hit and you can get them into your lineup and they're so cheap. It's like buying Keenan Allen and you know what I mean? Like for a playoff team and you, you get them in your lineup right away and that's when they're scoring the points. That's the tight end breakout age, like 27 to 30 start getting your Gerald Everett breaking out, you know, and their second team. Yeah, man. TJ Hawkinson, who you say is a a, a, a sort of safe starter. <laughs> what did you call <laughs> TJ Hawkinson? <laughs> Slightly better than streaming, maybe. <laughs> That's his entire tier. <laughs> it's like the longest sentence to just be like, meh. Yeah, and it's it's it starts with TJ Hawkinson tight end six, all the way through Tyler Higby tight end twenty one. That entire tier is just tight ends. And it's just, I mean, again, first of all, we don't have a premium, so it doesn't matter quite as much. But, I mean, honestly, like, this is going to be a tentpole strategy, I think, going forward is, like, you you still want to chase the the kind of the breakout that you're talking about, you know, that kind of in that age range, mm-hmm. the guys who fit that profile for that breakout. But even if you find them, damn it, get rid of them after, the, after that one year. 
Like yeah. if you if you get that monster year from any tight end, move on. You know, mm-hmm. like Jawan Johnson is going to be a tough one for me this year because, like, it feels like this was the breakout year that's never going to happen again. You know, and there's not much buzz. Yeah, yeah, that too. And there's Taysom Hill. That's the other tough mm-hmm. part for them. But like, I mean, they they might upgrade at quarterback, and that could help. But just kind of based on what we know about tight ends and how they perform, you know, the the process, the correct process here would be to say, all right, that was his breakout, so that's not going to happen again because tight ends don't repeat it, you know. So, like, it, it and it's going to be tough uh, to to make that move, but again, like to me, I think that's the correct process. So that's one of those things I want, I I wanted to bring up, you know, kind of talked about running backs and, you know, maybe age isn't quite as big of a deal as we thought. Maybe usage isn't quite as big a deal as we originally thought. Uh, Tight ends are, that's a year to year proposition. Always look for new tight ends every single off season. And then the other one is wide receivers. So, and we we both agree on wide receivers. And, like, it stands because it's such a deep position. But I'm starting to wonder if we're maybe undervaluing their scoring just a little bit. Just because, so, it's a it's down year for quarterbacks. Um, and I don't have the, I don't have statistics to back this up yet, but this is something I'm going to work on. But I mean, just kind of eye test, right? Just kind of sniff test, like, just think about the season that we just witnessed. Doesn't it feel like, first of all, every single week, there's some absolute dud games, a lot of field goal parties, you know, but also we see we're not seeing the 500 yards passing that we used to get from Matthew Stafford and Eli Manning and, you know, like randomly get those games. Like that's not happening. Not even Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes giving you four or 500 yards in a game. No one's really doing that. Uh, You're not getting four or five touchdown passes in a game from anyone. Certainly not getting seven like you got from Peyton Manning and surprisingly from Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Like you're not getting that. You're just getting, you know, you're you're getting 350 yards and three touchdowns is like a big game for a quarterback this year. Yeah. And so, like, if we're gonna if if we think that there's regression coming, positive regression coming for the quarterback position as it gets stronger, as we get better players in here taking over starting jobs, uh, you know, starting with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and hopefully somebody else from that class you know it as the quarterback position gets better and we start seeing their stats go up doesn't the wide receiver position statistically also have to regress positively like is 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 as much as you know, wide receiver scoring has been pretty high for the last two years. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's at its ceiling. Mm. I'm not totally sure what to do with that yet. <laughs> so, but. 
I, I like where you're going with this, and I think that this could be league dependent as well. But yeah. something I do in all of my leagues, while we're kind of on like the strategy side of this scoring, something that I I do this, especially if it's a new league or I'm unfamiliar with it, and I do like trace this and track this, excuse me, and kind of follow it and see how it looks year to year and. I recommend you guys do this as well because all leagues are different and it, it makes me draft different and build my teams differently. But I will go in and I will put in all the running backs and I'm going to count how many like running backs, like how far do we get down? Like with like, what's a top 12 running back? And I'm like, okay, it's this player and he has 20 points. And then I'll do it with wide receivers. And I'm like, okay, what's the last wide receiver to have 20 points? And I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, 20. So there's only five wide receivers that are averaging 20 weekly points, but I have 12 running backs that are averaging that. And it's not the same in every league. And some of them you'll get to the point where you're like, wow, I'm 14 deep. And like, we're within like one or two players of each other. You can tell that it, the scoring is so well-rounded that it's working well together and um so i'll do that in every league and some of them you'll be like wow i have like the running back scoring in this league is just so tilted to the running backs advantage that you have like 20 running backs that you know what i mean so i'll do yeah. that for every league and it's surprisingly seems similar in like some of the first dynasty leagues that i was in today if i look at it and the scoring and how it balances out like the running backs still kind of favor um and and sometimes i feel like we've tweaked it too much in a couple of those leagues to favor running backs and i even being the running back guy and stacked at running backs in a couple of those leagues i kind of wish some of my wide receivers were scoring comparable points to some of my running backs yeah so i get what you're saying i think that it could i think we could get more i think man we have so many stud wide receivers like you even think of somebody like dk metcalf who you're lower on than dlf rankings consensus mm -hmm. and like he's a stud you yeah. know what i mean and i don't think like you're saying he's not but i mean we have so many stud wide receivers in the nfl right now and I mean, if you are getting those, even like a 300 to 500 yard game, which is that ceiling that we're not really seeing as much anymore, there's only so many that it can go to, and I'm still going to find one somewhere else. And I know that's not exactly what you're saying, but I think that it's league dependent. And that was a long winded way to say that. No, I, th I think that that's fair. And I mean, kind of regardless of the settings, like the fact remains that it's just it's deep, you know. Yeah. Like you you use DK Metcalf as the example. So I've got him as wide receiver thirteen. He's forty seven overall. Lots of quarterbacks and running backs ahead of him, but wide receiver thirteen. But the rest of that tier below DK Metcalf, it's wide receiver four, uh, fourteen through nineteen, and it's Michael Pittman, Deontay Johnson, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Godwin, and Chris Olave. Godwin probably needs to come up from there, but like it, and, and, but that's, that's exactly what I see when I'm going to rank these guys. I'm like, okay, DK Metcalf. But I mean, if I didn't have DK Metcalf, 
how you know would I feel worse about my lineup if I have Deontay Johnson or Michael Pittman instead? Right. And no, I hear you there. Not really, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so like that part's gonna be I, I I don't think I can get away from that part. I think that like the depth is only gonna get it like it's only gonna get greater, you mm-hmm. know. We've got at least three absolute stud wide receivers coming in all any one of those three guys, you know, uh, Jackson Smith, Najigba, or um, Keishon Butte, now he's back in, and uh, Jordan Addison. Like, I think any one of those guys could would have been the wide receiver one overall in the 2022 class that we know was crazy deep. So, like, it's only going to get stronger, but that's only going to mean there are more ways for you to find that wide receiver scoring. I just like I think that part of it is I I for sure have been kind of discounting the scoring that you do get from the wide receivers. Uh I'm not backing off the fact that there are a, there are a ton of them, but I think though that you know even if you were just to like compartmentalize one of them and say, you know, Justin Jefferson for instance, that's kind of a bad example cuz he's really getting pretty back pretty good quarterback play but like uh, uh michael pittman michael pittman's a good example deontay johnson is a great example like they're they're already kind of giving you good enough scoring to hold down your wide receiver one position now give them a real quarterback yeah and watch what happens yeah and, and the same quarterback assuming health not like to Pittman, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's all the, all of those guys, DK Metcalf, I think is okay with Geno Smith. They could still upgrade at quarterback pretty easily, but they don't even necessarily have to, but Pittman, Deontay Johnson, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Chris Olave, all of those guys are right around, you know, they're like, high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one type of guys with bad quarterback play. Like, there's just so much room for for improvement. So, like, that's that's going to be another talking point. I'm not totally sure what to do with that just yet. The fact that wide receiver scoring could still go up, but... I think that it's something that we have to kind of think about. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I agree man, and I agree with all your points. Even like, even if it does happen, like you're still can find wide receivers elsewhere, but John, there's two things like we got to talk about before we get away from to (laughs) go to the cornerstone, assuming you still wanted to go there. Sure. And that is, like so, you're lower on a few guys, but I can make some sense of it. Mm-hmm. The two that are troubling me the most um, it would be T.J. Hawkinson and A.J. Dillon. Oh, okay. Um, I need to find those guys and see where I'm at. Um, yeah, you basically hate them. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, I loved A.J. Dillon coming into the season. And Aaron now Jones. Now that he's scaring a touchdown every week, you're just like, nah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, end of season stuff, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, you know. But Aaron Jones has been the better player consistently, like throughout throughout AJ Dillon's career. And it happened again this year in and... 123 overall. Yeah. Running back 37. He's below Elijah Mitchell. So there's yeah, he needs he needs to come up a little. You're right about that. Um below Donta Foreman and Jeff Wilson. So yeah. Uh that's, that's an oversight. Harsh, <laughs> that needs to come up. That needs to come way up. But I think that I'm probably You've got him below Kenneth Dixon on here. <laughs> How'd he get in there? <laughs> Tried to sneak him in. <laughs> Uh, but I think that he needs to be probably more in the vicinity of, so I've got, um, so I've got Javante Williams at running back 25, even knowing what I know is coming in 2023 for Javante Williams, I still think I'd rather have him than AJ Dillon. Just because I, I, the uh, the inability of AJ Dillon to take over that that job and to you know to really carve out a a substantial role. I mean, imagine just... saying that about Derrick Henry because of Demarco Murray. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I know that that's just a comp, and it, it happened on a team, and it was totally different team. But I mean, man. Yeah, I know. And, we didn't and, plan on Aaron Jones being there this long in in front of AJ Dillon. Like I'm a hundred percent with you. But I I know how much Derrick Henry I had the year before he broke out, and then I didn't have any the year he broke out. Yeah, yeah. the The problem is we got Demarco Murray out of the way, and then it was. Well, so we got DeMarco Murray out of the way, and it felt a little easier to kind of mm-hmm. count on Derrick Henry. But they still, they still kind of used Dion, uh, Dion Lewis. Is that right? Oh, that's right. They brought in Dion Lewis dude. for the year. We yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's when Henry really started, though. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Those pictures of Dion Lewis next to Henry, <laughs> next to him, and it's just like. <laughs> That guy is gonna take that guy is gonna take Derrick Henry off the field, like him and what army? But like, it, and it it still kind of took a while, but you know it was it was a little easier to see it coming. But like, I, I mean, we know that we need Aaron Jones out of the way for AJ Dillon to really gain any kind of value, especially in that. Like, here's the other difference. I is agree. I think enough, Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee has actually been willing to commit to the run for like forever. They that's always been where it begins and ends for them. Green Bay, like anytime they try to start with the run, try and lead with the run, especially with the power run, they just they can't win. They suck. They're awful. When they just lean into what their bread and butter is, which is Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like this is that's where they go on a run like they're on, where they're about to sneak into the playoffs and make some noise. 
So, you know, that it, like that part doesn't bode well for A.J. Dillon either. The fact that as long as you have Aaron Rodgers there, like this is going to be a pass-happy team. So They're going to um, have to get rid of some money to bring Devontae Adams back somehow, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I hear you, man, and I get your concerns, especially with, like, it's a pass-first team, and he is he's the second to Aaron Jones. Yeah. I like A.J. Dillon, though. I like A.J. Dillon. I do, too, as a player. He just – he was very annoying this year, <laughs> for one thing. But, yeah, like, it feels like there are a couple steps here in the process that would have to happen. Mm-hmm. in order for us to feel okay about him. And it starts with get Aaron Jones out of the way. It probably also means get Aaron Rodgers out of the way. Yeah. If those two things happen, though, if Aaron Jones were to to leave, and I don't remember what his contract looks like, um, but I know that Aaron Rodgers, they could easily move on from Aaron Rodgers. Um, and if they did, like if Aaron Rodgers were to reunite with Devontae Adams in Vegas, then I would feel, you know, A.J. Dillon would shoot way up in my rankings. Like right now I've got Khalil Herbert at running back 21, and it's off of the speculation that David Montgomery is not back with Chicago in otherwise, of uh, you know, in an offense that's getting more explosive by the day, especially when everybody's healthy. Like Khalil Herbert is in line to take over that job, and, you know, running back 21 for me right now is honestly probably a little bit low based on what I'm, you know, what I'm projecting his role to be. And AJ Dillon, I think goes above and beyond that. If those two things go right, but that's the tough part. You need two, two things to happen to get there. But all that said, I assume you're still selling that ranking, right? That's still too low. Um, I mean, the overall of 100. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a, I think he's an RB two, at least. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. even if I moved him up to like I was saying, right behind Javante Williams, Javante at running back 25, so AJ Dillon at running back 26, that's still too low. No, I think that's pretty close. That's right on that fringe. I mean, I'd have to see your rankings. We already know we have a dis- couple discrepancies with Stevenson, but Stevens still belongs in like that upper tier as well, like above those guys. So, um, no, I get it. Like I traded uh, Javante Williams away for AJ Dillon plus, like recently because on a contender. And I wanted a plus back with the Javante I was trading away. So I did have Javante above Dylan as well. Um, So, no, I get it. I get the concerns. Yeah. It's tough, man. Man, he could be one of those dudes. I don't know. I, I he's, uh, he's a guy I like a lot. We'll just say that. Or I have a lot of hope for. I did recently get rid of uh, David Montgomery's share for um, Damian Pierce, though. I like that. Because you have to, I like right? that move a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think that David Montgomery goes somewhere to be the starter, but that still, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, yeah. 
I kind of don't care where he's at. I'm not not super into him. So, like, how do you feel about Josh Jacobs? Because I have those concerns too. And now it's like, even if even if he gets franchise tagged or something like that, like the Raiders just seem like they're in disarray at this point. Yeah, I know. And not only that, but just kind of historically, we know that when a running back has the type of season that Josh Jacobs is having, that they don't typically repeat it. So mm-hmm. like I've got him ranked pretty high right now. I've got him running back. I think I've got him ranked top five at the moment. Uh, seven running back seven, which is, I assume low con- compared to consensus most likely. Um, but as soon as the season is over, like I only have him ranked that high because of the season that he was, he's been having, you know, before the last two weeks, essentially. Yeah. And, and I think that anybody who survived, so we're recording this, I, I don't know if this will come out in time for the, the start of games this week, but we're recording this on Friday evening. I I think that anybody who made it to the championship and survived with Josh Jacobs, I think they're going to, you're going to get a league winning type of week from him to finish the season. But then as soon as the season's season's over, I'm dropping him so far. That's just it. That's my concern, dude. And he has a bad matchup this week. Yeah. And you're going into the off season and I think he will get a workload, like you're saying, coming into championship week here. You're definitely firing Jacobs up. But you're going to, like, Jacobs has never held the value for the production he's given you, even in the past. And now he's given you this amazing production. And this is the first year that I feel really not good about Jacobs going into the offseason. Like, a lot of people every year, like, they hate Jacobs every year, no matter what he does. He's been a fringe RB1 since he's been in the league. But yeah, this is the first season that I'm just like, man, I kind of want out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time is ticking. I know. Yeah. Non-contenders, you have two teams right now you can trade him to. They, they, maybe the third-place team might care a little bit if you have a payout. But you have two teams right now that care about winning, and I suggest that you try to move Josh Jacobs to those teams if you have him. Yeah. All right, I have a question for you. So I'm working on fixing my rankings here to get A.J. Dillon back up into a range where he belongs. Uh, but another guy who was I was way too low on and needed to bring him up, and now I'm kind of comparing the two, trying to figure out who goes ahead of who. AJ Dillon or Cam Akers? Yeah, you were kind of low on Akers. Akers is yeah. young, man, and he's done pretty well at the end of this season. Yeah. I would uh that's a tough one. That's a seriously right. tough one. Um I'll take the Akers side by okay. a, by a small amount here. And yeah. I would even say that recency bias might favor that Dillon side though. Yeah, very likely. Maybe. AJ Dillon or Brian Robinson? Uh, Brian Robinson. Really? Are they I close think so. for you? Man, I think Brian Robinson's taking that job, and now Antonio Gibson's missing some time at the end of the season, and I think Brian Robinson is a lead back in the NFL oh, okay. now. So Brian Robinson or Cam Akers? 
Brian Robinson. It doesn't sound right uh-huh. saying it, but I think that that's the I think that that's the right play. Brian Robinson or Miles Sanders? Brian Robinson. I'm also going yeah. into this with the mindset that we are not contending and we are in the off season already. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and that's what these rankings are meant to be. Yep. And so, with the context that we have today. Yeah. Like if this episode comes out before games start on Sunday, do they play on Saturday this week again too? I think they do, huh? I think there are. I don't think there's as many. Last week there was a lot because of Christmas. I guess there's Christmas or New Year's Eve this year, though. Yeah, New Year's Eve this Although... year. There's New Year's <laughs> Eve this year. <laughs> oh yeah, nothing on on Saturday. It's all Sunday and Monday. Nice. Back to normal. Okay, so yeah, so there's a chance that this comes out, but I mean, there's nothing in this episode. I should have said this right off right at the jump but there's nothing in in this episode for you if you're playing for a championship this is all off-season content and that's kind of what we're doing moving forward um if you're playing for a championship you already know what you're doing i think that brian robinson is safer uh today with what the information we have than cam Akers. In that case, I think we have to start talking about Brian Robinson more in the context of some of those older guys because, I mean, above Miles Sanders and Cam Akers, it's you start getting into, for me anyways, you get into Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. Like, that's the territory that we're talking about for Brian Robinson. Yeah, so somewhere in the middle there. Maybe yeah. above Kamara. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, probably dude, he's about done, right? Like something's going on now, and he left the team. He deleted all his Instagram, and the team said that they'll, he's going to let us know why. Yeah. I mean, it's just weird, man. A couple <laughs> years of stuff like that with one player, and I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, and and I still think that the age usage stuff can still hold up to – some extent like it has to eventually you have to be able to say all right his best days are behind him it might it just might not be quite as as abrupt as we thought it might not be as as early as we thought obviously year four isn't necessarily you know a, a major milestone for running backs and you know that's not where the cliff is but it's still somewhere <laughs> and we still want to get out early. Yeah. Uh, rather be too early than too late. So you make me want to go buy a little bit of Brian Robinson, just stuff kind of thinking about how I might feel. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like you're, you're definitely pretty high on him. Um, and it, this is, that's part of why I wanted to do this is because and especially and if, if you're in like a points per carry league and they're going to be giving Brian Robinson that workload, even when Antonio Gibson was playing like all yeah. day, but all of us aren't in points per carry. But if you are like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're on to a new quarterback next year too. So there's, there, there's it, you know, yet again, there's an opportunity for some, positive regression for that entire offense in the right situation i mean hell maybe you maybe even maybe carson wentz 
is fine, you know, if he gives you a full healthy season. Maybe that's enough of an upgrade for, you know, for everybody involved. He's sure he unlocked Jahan Dotson to start the season. So Yeah. Uh I like Dotson a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's he's moving back up now that he's healthy. Mm-hmm. So um should we talk cornerstone just a little bit? Yeah, you probably want to. Yeah. So, man, oh, man, somebody I noticed you're higher on. And, man, I haven't dug in to all this enough yet to to give a fair opinion on some of the guys, like Will Levis, for example, but I did notice that you're higher on him than consensus, and he's one of those players that I feel like when you see people talking about him, they either kind of like him and kind of i meant to say that i don't feel like yeah. anybody loves him but i feel like they either kind of like him or they hate him right <laughs> right and i i kind of like him but mm-hmm. so first of all i'm i'm like you i haven't i haven't really dug a whole lot into this incoming rookie class all i'm really basing it off of especially at quarterback is is this guy you know, what are the odds that this guy goes in the first round? Because if they go in the first round, it means they're going to get most likely going to get a, a shot to start. And usually that means a three year audition, um, you know, cause you've got five years to work with. So you give them plenty of opportunity to start. Now they shouldn't necessarily do that, but that's just kind of the way NFL front offices operate. So, if well, it, Will Levis looks like he's on pace to go in the first round of the 2023 draft. I like I I can't break down his tape for you just mm-hmm. yet. I can't tell you what I see with him as a player. I can kind of go off of what other people have said, but more than anything, if he's a projected first round draft pick, yeah, he's going to be a starting NFL quarterback probably is in 2023 and if he's a starting NFL quarterback in 2023 that is going to hold pretty significant value <laughs> because it's yeah. really hard to identify the guys right now and the his veterans... value will absolutely spike right yeah and I, I mean he like, could be Daniel Jones yeah he could be Kenny Pickett I, like there's significant value in Kenny Pickett even though you know he He's not a very good quarterback. He wasn't a very good prospect. He was good enough to go in the first round, and so they gave him the job as a first-round pick. And there's just value in the fact that he's their starter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep, I agree. Especially when we're trying to decide between guys like that and, you know, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, who, like, maybe they're starters, but, you know, probably not. <laughs> yeah. At least Trey we Lance know is Kenny. going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Zach Wilson, like, I'm done with him, right? I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know <laughs> what you do with him if he's on your dynasty teams at this point. Yeah, it's going to be a long time before he has a shot, if he I, ever has one. Yeah, I think I'm pretty low on Trey Lance. Uh, yeah, um, I have no Trey Lance on any of my teams. I'm going to see. So, yeah, Superflex, I've got him ranked 
I'm actually higher than consensus on Trey Lance, so that needs to change. I've got him at 54 overall. Consensus has him at 62 overall. And in Cornerstone, that, is that I your love for quarterbacks, though? Yeah, more than yeah. more than your the quarterback positional ranking, but your love for quarterbacks pushing it up. Not so much that's that you like true. him, but that he's a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Cornerstone, I have him 14. Consensus has him 16. So that's pretty close. Yeah. I like it. Like you said, I think that that's just kind of that, that, uh, that bump that they get for being a quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but 14 should be pretty low when all you're talking about is so cornerstone is uh tw- rookie classes 2021, 2022 and 2023. So, like that's a pretty small universe. Yeah. 14 is really kind of low. 16 is very low. At least for a starting quarterback. Um but, like, but again, for we the don't know people for sure. you're lower on in Cornerstone. Nine of your 14 are wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a theme there. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like Anthony Richardson, though. So you got a QB. You're, you are lower on the, in your Cornerstone than your consensus. Yeah. You have him at 48, and your consensus is 40. Yeah. Yeah, I think there might be some Devi guys who see him as a first rounder. And I mean, again, like I haven't done as much work on him as they have, but I have a feeling that he's not going to be a first round pick. Yeah, man, it'll be interesting. And even if he is, though, it doesn't mean that he's. I think that this year we'll see some first-round picks again because last year we really didn't outside of Pickett. I think this year teams will be kind of digging a little bit. Yeah. So I I could see us having like three to four in the first round. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and and but and Richardson, it could be one of those guys, but like there's there's I think that you're gonna have a little bit of a. You're going to have kind of a bucket of incoming quarterbacks who all kind of fit in that range. And, you know, when you have that, it kind of like in 2022, you know, when you've got a bunch of guys who are all very similar, it's, you know, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, like all those guys kind of in the same basic, in the same bucket, you kind of, you almost, don't have to prioritize them. Like it bumps all of them down. It's the exact same thing as when we draft in a startup, like the, if that's, if the tier is pretty stocked at that position, you can wait, you know, you wait for one of them to go off the board and then you move up a little bit and get the next one. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that that's going to be a pretty big tier that Anthony Richardson is going to be in. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. Nice. Um, do we have any others that we should that we should talk about on either Superflex or Cornerstone? We didn't do a great job of making this 
standard operating procedures like I intended, but like it was supposed oh, I to I didn't be. even know we were supposed to do that. Uh, I that thought was, this was loads of fun. Yeah. No, loads I, I, of, it was loads of fun, John. <laughs> what a way to go out with this year. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Is I, I think it was, it's all useful stuff and it's stuff that we can definitely keep talking about. My goal was to kind of just to format it a little bit as like a buy and sell type of thing. Like, are you buying the the ranking? Are you selling the ranking? But I totally bailed on that. Mm. So, um, one thing I'll, I'll say this, and people might think this sounds crazy coming from me because I love me some Amon St. Brown, but nice. I think people have gotten kind of carried away with it and have have put him up into somewhere like first of all they put him where he belonged but then they kept rising him up more and more and more and now like he's well above any other wide receiver that is like averaging comparable points to him on a weekly basis you could go replace him on ross st brown who who again i i love man he is i think now i think he's my second highest or first highest rostered wide receiver but now it's to the point where you can go get like Jahan Dotson and a and a nice plus for him, and then Jahan Dotson outscores him for the last three or four weeks, and you can still make that move. Yeah, and and I think that we're seeing like Amon Ra St. Brown kind of steady out to who he is going to be, and and that's awesome who he is. Like, but you're seeing defenses zone in on him more. You're you're going to see Jameson Williams get integrated into the offense. He's going to have probably less touchdowns. Still going to be targeted, and but I think he's a, I think he's going to settle in more at like wide receiver eight to wide receiver twenty on a weekly basis than a wide receiver five and up every week. So I think people have gotten kind of carried away with Amon Ross St. Brown. So is a is a Lions fan who is willing to be realistic about Lions players, I want to ask you about a guy, Deep Dynasty Stash, Shane Zilstra. Yeah, I don't really, I haven't really like looked at him too much to be honest with you. I know the name because he's on our roster, but yeah. now I'm feeling like I should be. Three touchdowns last week, for which did absolutely no one any good. I mean, other than the fact <laughs> that like they helped Jared Goff, right? But and I mean, it just destroyed everybody else that we wanted <laughs> to get some production from in that Lions offense. But I mean, Amon Ross still had a had a good day just on volume, mm -hmm. but you and know, we're DeAndre still Swift, see, DJ Shark, like we're still going to see uh, Jameson. So, man, I'm looking at Zilster now. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, we've it, it, since the Hawkinson trade, we've really just kind of been looking for who's the who's the tight end for them. You know, is it Brock mm -hmm. Wright? Is it uh, Mitchell got yeah. a little play the one week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just trying to figure out like who's going to replace Hawkinson. And I mean, maybe it's none of the above, mm -hmm. like maybe they probably have the opportunity to go get somebody over the off season and free agency. Um, there are certainly some good ones in the draft, 
you know, better than what came out in the draft in 2022. So, you know, there's possibility there too, I suppose, but it just, I, I missed out on Zilstra. Like he wasn't like, I was at in uh, James Mitchell and nobody and saw that. coming. <laughs> so... Nobody saw that coming, but I, it just does. It, it just makes me curious now that he's there. I mean, like the, the easy thing for Detroit to do would be to focus this entire off season on the defensive side. Yeah. Like there's not much left to do on offense. Keep golf. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, just kind of keep everything intact around it. You got Jamison Williams healthy, you know, it, it, the, the, that offense overall is complete. Now you, you need some defense to support them. Um, like that's kind of all that's missing from an NFL perspective. So, you know, you really could see them just say, all right, that's our guy. And if that's the case, I mean, I, I want to starting tight end from that offense. <laughs> that's yeah. just, that's one of those offenses that you just, you want as many pieces of as you can. Even as a speculative ad though, before you go into the off season, like John said, cause it's, it is kind of unsettled and you just don't know. Yeah. Tegan Quatoriano is still my guy. I like Houston. that one. That's that's my deep stash at tight end for your dynasty leagues, but I'm, he, he's been doing pretty well, man. He somebody dropped Brevin Jordan because of how well he's been doing, so I picked yep. him up to stash him. But yeah, yeah, I like that mention. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Shane Zilstra, I think is is another one of those guys. Like in a deep dynasty league, why the hell not? Why not yeah. s- just see? You know, it might be nothing, but why not check? So, John, guess what I'm doing Monday night? What's that? I'm stacking Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in the finals. John Hogue style. Yeah. Firing the last shot, and it's out of the freaking cannon. Against our our good friend, the Dynasty Madman from Dynasty Trades HQ. I'm taking him out. Oh, man. Does he have anyone going on Monday night? I'll have to look, man. That's a, let me look really quick. Say something so you <laughs> so can fill have this to be, space. It would have to be a Cincinnati Bengal or a Buffalo Bill, and there's there's a lot of those guys who are fantasy relevant. But all I'm saying is, if he doesn't have anybody from in a redraft league, I just dropped Brett Brett Mayer, Mayer, however you say his name, kicker for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, he had a nice game last night against Tennessee, but number one kicker for the season. But I dropped him for uh, the the Bengals kicker, McPherson, Evan McPherson, just because oh, nice. I needed a Monday night player. So, <laughs> so Monday night, Jeremy is going to be going hard at me with Dawson Knox. Ooh. But I'm going to be bringing Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and Joe Mixon to the fight. Oh man, so he needs to run the score up on you like none other. Yeah. If he doesn't have if he doesn't have a, an 80 point lead going into Monday night, he's done. <laughs> we'll Sorry, madman. <laughs> Coming we at should, you. We should also check Fenero's Scott Fishbowl lineup. I'm curious how he's uh, Man, yeah, he's he's making he's it. In he's the in the finals, 30. dude. Yeah. I mean, I've got a few friends in it. I can't remember who all made it, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's I, awesome, man. Fun to see some names you know. Yeah, yeah, 
but yeah, Finero's Finero's uh, definitely one of the guys I'm rooting for. We'll so. find his lineup. I think right now he was he's like top eight or ninth ranked or something in it all or something when it all settled after all those score adjustments. But yeah, so yeah. he's not talking too much about it, man, which isn't really like him. <laughs> um, and, and it's really not Fenero. You know, that's true. Like normally he'd be kind of rubbing it in your face, but you can tell he's kind of just like, okay, like let's see what he doesn't want to jinx it, man. Like, so <laughs> we'll pretend we didn't talk about it. Fenero. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, like man. A, Bring like it home. A, yeah. Like a pitcher throwing a perfect game. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you just shut off the podcast for that part. Yeah. <laughs> Put some uh, Monday night matchups in for Nero. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck to everybody playing for championships, not only in the Scott Fishbowl, but across this fantasy football universe. Um, let's bring home some, uh, some hardware, but yeah, we're going to be right back here talking standard operating procedures throughout the off season. Like I said, I'm going to have swags back on here uh, pretty consistently to help me out with some off season standard operating procedures. Yeah, um, man. Love of, it anytime, man. Yeah. Of, of different formats and structures. We're going to, yeah, we'll keep that up, but this is also going to be, like I said, man, the, the off season is the non-point scoring season is, is just kind of, that's my time. So, you're going to get some solo episodes. You're going to get some great guests. Hell yeah. Um, all kinds of stuff. So we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be a lot more consistent with it. And I think that's it. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already subscribe to the DLF family, a podcast mega feed, do us a huge favor and rate and review this super show. Helps me to get out to more people, touch on more topics that are useful to you, my super friends. You can get at me on Twitter at Superflex Show, but honestly, I I think I've checked that like once in the last three months. So uh, get to me on uh, on my personal Twitter account at Superflex Dude. Not on there quite as much anymore either. I hate Twitter. Twitter sucks now, man. It has um, changed a lot. I didn't. I didn't you buy gotta, a check mark, and so now they're they're. I'm dead to them. It's it's so. interesting, isn't it? But you know, I'm thinking of things that I could do with eight dollars a month that would make me feel better about myself that aren't verifying myself. Yeah, <laughs> I am self-proclaimed verified. Yeah, <laughs> and man, I think there's a lot of like things i could do with eight dollars a month that would make make me feel good about this stuff and that wouldn't right <laughs> yeah you know like man <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm gonna I, i'd rather like buy a homeless person some gloves or some socks or like help somebody in some other way than like making myself have a check mark yeah Honestly, I'll take five, a five and three ones and throw it in a damn fire every month before, <laughs> before I'm paying for Twitter blue. So, uh, I, like, it sucks that, that it means less interaction with my super friends, but I just, it, we'll find, we'll find other ways to connect and talk super flex and strategy and player values and whatever else. 
Wow. But you well, super friends just have to acknowledge that though and and don't buy into what has been bought by other people because you are going to see those more in your head immediately it looks like that person may be more important they're all wearing the same shade suit and they're they're very dacker and and that you look like you can take them serious but they you know just keep an open mind to the the checklist people <laughs> yeah and get your information for podcasts, not the Twitter timeline. There you go. This is where we eat crow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. But we also don't have to. It, it, we're we're we don't get in the weeds of an argument necessarily. We just just uh, just spit fire around here. That's what we do. Thank you to Swagzilla Zero G. You can catch up with him on Twitter as well. He's also on the rookie fever podcast sometimes super flexible as well that's uh that's still a fantasy breakdown is that man, uh, i'd like to do a super flexible yeah man you know you you know super flex dude will be there hell yes so, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to james brank Tulis. thank you to swags for being here and helping me out thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.